fight. And we're in chapter one, subparagraph is 11.4. And it starts out, those who have united with the Lord. So we've been learning a lot about how we as Christians can be active for the Lord. It's not enough just to come to church on Sabbath, but we want to be Christians not only on the seventh day, but every day. And we can do that by our interaction with other people, what we say, what we do, and the things that we uh, allow other people to see in terms of our lifestyle. So that's where we're at now studying how can we more properly represent Christ and also some other ways that we can represent Christ and be true ambassadors for him. So we're on paragraph 11.4, and it says, those who have united with the Lord in the covenant of service are under bonds to unite with him in the great grand work of soul saving. So it says, Any, anyone who knows the Lord as their savior are called to work as uh, soul savers for him. So do we all have to go attend Oakwood and Andrews and Loma Linda to become a soul winner for Christ? You do? No, that's the question, do we? I know that, I know, no. Do you have to go to Pine Forge? No. Florida Adventist? No, so how do we become soul winners for Christ? What, what type of uh, background or what type of, of certifications do we need to become soul winners for Christ? Just say, yes, Lord, here I am. A willing heart, willing spirit. Okay, willing heart, willing spirit to do what? To do the Lord's work, how he wants to do it. Be prayerful. He'll show us and tell us how to do it. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Don't just go out there. I'm going to do this without no direction. Okay. Excellent. Uh, again, we're in chapter one, paragraph 11.5. And then also it says, uh, I like that, Alvin, that we ask for his Holy Spirit. And then he'll tell us what to do and, and lead us and where to go and what to say. And it's very true. A lot of times as church family, we just want to do our own thing, so to speak, and just go out there willy nilly, not asking the Lord's direction. But once we get out there, then we see it's not working. Then we want to pray and ask for God's help. But we need to pray first and ask him, what would you have us do? And that's because all of us are different as human beings. And what might work in one neighborhood won't work in another neighborhood. What might work with one person or group of people won't work with another and we truly need God's direction he's the only one that knows what is really needed for individuals to hear his voice and then to follow him Lakita did you have a comment on what it takes to become a soul winner no I, I agree with her I agree with her. bye everybody okay let's look at 11.6 where it says men are instruments in in the hand of God employed to accomplish his purpose of grace and mercy. Then it says, each has a part to act. To each is granted a measure of light adapted to the necessity of his time, sufficient to enable him to perform the work which God has given him to do. So this sentence is telling us what about God's preparation for us? 
He's given each of us a measure of light adapted to the necessities of the time and sufficient to enable us to perform the work. What has God already done before he calls us to work for him? He's already determined what we, we're going to be doing. What? Did you hear me? He's already determined what we're going to do and what's needed for that time period. Like we're not, we're not talking about abolishing slavery now, which was, you know, an issue at some point. But now, you know, we may be talking more about, um, let's say, um, justice and fair treatment. Uh, and in church, we're probably talking about more about um, being faithful to Christ in terms of our uh, time, talent, temple, and treasure. Excellent point. So sometimes. Uh, the topics of life may change, but the principles of God's word never change. The principles are always the same. Truth, honesty, mercy, justice, salvation through Christ. Those are some of the principles. Well, like Latita's saying, in the 60s, we're fighting for civil rights. And now today we're fighting against police brutality and against um, people trying to do away with our human rights, you know, and different different topics, uh, but our work should be adapted to the time, but we should still be focused on principle because the principles of God's word don't change. And he's given us the talents and the abilities to do what he asked us to do. So if we really believe God has given us the talent and ability to do what he asked us to do, then when he asks us to do something, what should be our response? If we really believe it, what would our response be when God asks us to do something? We'll do it. We won't hesitate. We won't think about it. Okay. Like like uh, the scripture says, here I am, Lord, send me. That should be our response. We shouldn't worry and start um, getting anxious over, oh, I don't have enough money. Oh, I, I don't have transportation. Oh, I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have a place to, to do it at, you know, which is a lot of times when we're called to take on an office in the church or we're called to do some community service. Many times we go on the negative side first and start coming up with reasons why we can't do something. And we've seen that in the scriptures also. Remember when Moses was called, what did he tell God when God called him to speak for the people? He said he doesn't speak well enough. Mm hmm. Yeah, Moses started making excuses, right? Aaron was already on the way. <laughs> and then think about Jonah. When he called Jonah to, to speak for him, what did Jonah do? He ran away. Took off running. And when God has, just think about yourself in the past, when God has called you to do something, you don't have to tell us, but think about your response at that time. Did you make excuses? Did you try and run away? Or did you say, here I am, Lord, send me? You know, when you think about the story of Samuel, when Samuel was a little boy, the, the Lord was calling him as a young kid. And he heard God's voice speaking, and he didn't know who it was. And he kept asking Eli if, he, if Eli had called him. And Eli said, no. And he realized that's the Lord talking to Samuel. So he told him, next time you hear the voice, just say, speak, Lord, for thy servant here. And that's what Samuel did. So when we hear God's voice calling us, that's how we want to respond. 
speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. Here I am, Lord, send me. And then don't worry about what's going to happen. Remember this, remember this little quote, if God brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. Anytime God brings you to a challenge in your life or to a trial or tribulation in your life, he's already given you a way of escape. He's already given you the power to go through it. He's already given you enough faith to stick with him and believe. But we just have to do our part and hold and keep the faith and not just throwing the towel as soon as something don't go our way. Uh, on the 11.7, it says, long has God waited for the spirit of service to take possession of the whole church so that everyone should be working for him according to his ability. What does according to his ability mean? Anyone? What does that mean, according to his ability? Paula, do you have any idea? I know you might be driving or something. All right, Alvina, what do you think that means, according to his ability? According to your ability to what you can do, what you know how to do, what you're known, what you've been taught or trained. That's terrific. Excellent answer, because we're all different again. We don't all have the same abilities, but we all have some ability. We don't have to have the same ability. If everybody had the same ability, what use would, ever, would anybody be? You know, you just have a whole lot of duplication of effort. So God puts in his church people of varying abilities. So just like the example of the body, you got hands, feet, eyes, ears, nose, throat, stomach, legs, toes. You got all these different parts that work together. So if you only had one part to your body, you wouldn't be able to do as much. You wouldn't be able to do anything. So think about our church. What if the church was just full of one type person? Do you think that would be a very effective or productive church? No, but we constantly try to push it that way. What do you mean by that? You know, everybody has to believe the same, think the same, that kind of thing. Express religion the same. Express, express the Holy Spirit the same. Yeah, if you think about um, as you're as you're active in the church, what's the one thing? Well, probably don't happen so much now anymore. But one thing that they always wanted everybody in church to do what was one of the things they always wanted everybody in church to do whether you could do it well or not what do, what do people always want you to do in terms of outreach knock on doors knock on doors right hand out tracts that seemed to be the only thing people looked at as an outreach effort but as we're just reading everybody has different abilities not everybody's able to just knock on a stranger's door and start talking not everybody's able to just hand out a piece of paper and um, be able to relate it to what's going on in this world today. But that seemed to be the mode that the outreach person personnel wanted. Everybody got to pass out tracts. That's, that's not true. Some people are terrible at passing out tracts, in fact. I think, too, the goal, sometimes our goal is not, is not right. You know, our goal isn't that we're trying to teach people to um, love God, to know Jesus. Rather, it might be to get in church. 
Yeah. So that's a good point. So remember, anytime you have an outreach opportunity, you don't have to do the same thing somebody else is doing for your outreach to be uh, positive and to be effective. So if you like, like I know, Alvina, what's your favorite outreach activity? I pass out track and pass out Bibles. Right. And you're really good at that. And, and it always sounds like you enjoy doing it. But there are some people who just don't like it. They just can't stand passing out literature. But what they do like is visiting the sick and shut in. And what they do like is going out with kids and taking kids out to the park and stuff like that. And some people are just terrible at giving Bible studies. You know, everybody thinks you have to give a Bible study to be a Christian worker. That's not true either. There's many ways to win souls for Christ. And some people just are really afraid of giving Bible studies, but they might like cooking dinner for people who can't cook. They might like being a deacon or an usher. They might like uh, doing one of those car washes or stuff, something like that. So anytime the opportunity comes up to do outreach for the Lord, we need to recognize that everybody's a little different. Sometimes we can get together, but sometimes realize that everybody might not be interested in the activity that you have planned. They might be interested in a different activity. So don't get upset. You know, if you plan a car wash and everybody in church doesn't come, no need to get upset. Or if you plan a concert and some of the people don't show up, don't get mad at them. Because everybody has a different gift. Everybody has a different desire and a different interest. But as we're reading, everybody should be doing something to tell somebody about the goodness of God, right? Yeah, but if we passing out free money and free gift, everybody in their mom's going to show <laughs> Yeah, I think that's probably true. Well, how about this idea? How about the idea that everybody is doing something to witness for God? Because we are God's witnesses. And everything we do is a witness for God. I think it's a um, kind of a mistake. I think they'll come back and figure this out later. To be like separating evangelism out as if it's separate from our lives. It is what we do every day. Sometimes we may do, the Lord may lead us to do something special, like with Avina, like give out a Bible. Or with Paula, it may be on her job to, I don't know, just encourage a person. You know, you never know who's suicidal. So the Lord may lead her to say something that doesn't, mean much to her, but will touch the other person's heart in such a way that she'll never know how far how far reaching those words were. So it's kind of like if we're not doing something intentional, like an intentional push, then we're not doing anything. But we are every day. It's the way we live. Yes, excellent point. Every day is the way we live. Every one of us who's calling Christ our Savior has a duty to tell others what God has done for us. So if God has blessed you in any manner, shape, or form, or maybe God has performed a miracle in your life, and I know God's still in the miracle working business, amen? So we want to share that with other people and just let them know. You don't. And here's something, too, while, while I'm thinking about 
letting others know what God has done for you. It's not bragging. You're not saying what you did for yourself. You're saying what God did for you. You're admitting, I couldn't do this myself, but God did this for me, not because I deserve it, but because he loves me so much. And many times when we have uh, testimony time at church or testimony online, people won't speak up because they think it's bragging to testify to the goodness of God. It's not bragging, it's sharing what God has done for you. If you're bragging on anybody, you're bragging on God. So all of us are called to work for the salvation of our fellow men. And again, doesn't mean that you have to become a uh, general conference evangelist. Doesn't mean that you have to become a pastor. Doesn't mean you have to become a preacher, a deacon, an elder. Those are titles. Those are positions that are needed in the church. But God can use all of us in various ways. And as Lakita was pointing out, the simplest thing that you can do as a witness for Jesus is to live a Christian life according to as God's Holy Spirit leads you. And people will see that. You don't have to show off. Um, remember that? Uh, what is it? When you, I'm trying to think of that song about the light. This little light of mine, you know, it, it was saying, don't let it, don't hide it under a bushel. So many times when we refuse to testify to the goodness of God, we're hiding that light under a bushel. Or when we try and cover up what we, how our lifestyles are from other people around us, that's hiding the light under a bushel. Now, you don't want to just shine the light, you know, like it's not a spotlight, it's a candle. You just allow it to shine and its glow lightens up everybody around. So again, your Christian character is what's really going to mean something to people because people say, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one, right? Let's look at paragraph 12.1. Paragraph 12.1 says, the real character of the church is measured not by the high profession, you know, because talk is cheap. It's not by the names enrolled on the church book. You know, many people claim to fame is that they have a thousand members or fifteen hundred members. That's fine, but that's not the care how the character of the church is measured. The character of the church is measured by what the members are actually doing for Christ, by the number of persevering faithful workers, personal interest, vigilant individual effort. Individual effort accomplishes more for the cause of Christ than all the sermons or recitations can ever accomplish. So again, it's our personal individual witness that matters most. Do you think, and here's a thought question, do you think it's good to have 2,000 members in your church uh, or 100 members? Which do you think is best? Anybody? Well, it depends on how you look at it. 2,000, if those 2,000 people were doing what the Lord called them to do, that would be a lot better. But God can work with a few because Gideon only had 300 to take on that battle. So God can work with a few versus a lot. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head right there. It's not a matter of numbers. It's a matter of having willing workers. And you also mentioned that earlier, Alvina, about what God looks for is willingness. 
willing hearts, willing to do what he asked us to do. So the size of the church, you know, we all like big, fancy, nice churches. But in my opinion, some of the nicest churches I've been to are the smallest ones with the fewest people in the uh, worst neighborhoods, so to speak. I guess you could say worst neighborhood, some of the poorer neighborhoods, because it's not how big the church is. It's not how big the organ in the church is and how many people in the choir. What matters is, are those members truly reaching out for Christ? Are the members really telling someone about the goodness of God? Or are the members just showing up every week? You know, and it's sad to say there are a lot of churches where the members show up on Sabbath, and that's the only time you're going to see them or hear from them. But when you have an active working church, they're actually involved in the community, they're involved in the neighborhood, they're involved at the church, and the church is constantly moving and growing and working and doing things for Christ. If you have a church that's not evangelizing, you have a dying church. If your church is not evangelizing, your church is dying. It's a sad thought, but it's very true. And we had hit on this part where it says the members of the church are not all called to labor in a foreign land, but we all have a part to do it. We all have a variety of work adapted to our different minds and varied, varied capabilities. And Christ has entrusted us with this information, this knowledge, these sacred truths that we are reading about. So when we come to class and we learn something new, don't just keep it to yourself. Share it with someone. Tell somebody, don't be afraid. It's, this is God's word. It's true whether the other person believes it or not. So when we find out that God expects us as his Christian servants to be out telling others about his love for them, that's what we need to be doing. And when we learn something uh, that's helpful, share it with somebody. If you know somebody who's struggling with uh, an addiction or something, they just might be looking for a word of encouragement from someone. That person could be you. And so we want to keep our minds and our eyes open for opportunities to witness for God. Any thoughts on that? Witnessing? Um, paragraph 12.4, it says Christ abiding, Christ abiding in the individual members of the church. Why do you think it's specified like that? Christ abiding in the individual members of the church. It didn't say Christ abiding in the church, Christ abiding in the individual members of the church. It was like individual body parts that all work together to make up the whole church. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Each individual brings their gifts of uh, of service to the Lord. Yep. We can't hear you, Pat, uh, Brother Carol. I'm um, sorry. Go ahead again. We couldn't hear you. I said each individual brings their individual gifts to the Lord. Right. Individuals make up the church. You know, many times we say the church this and the church that. You are the church. I am the church. We individuals together are the church. So well, the church might. is not just a big organization all by itself. The church is individuals. Alvina? Yeah, 
So when they're complaining, they might as well say, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. Excellent point. Many times we hear people say the church ain't feeding the homeless. The church ain't clothing the naked. And like you said, we need to be saying, I'm not doing that because I am the church. And we have spoken about this before. If God gives you an idea, he gave it to you. He didn't give it to the church. He said for you to get this started. So, of course, you can incorporate other members of the church, but don't try and throw it on the church as a whole and say, hey, God told me to tell y'all to go out and do this or that for the community. No, you get it started. Get the interest up. Get the resource together and then go out. Get some people who are interested in doing that. And again, I think it's real important to remember it's very hard to get 100 percent of the people to do everything all together. Yeah, except I think you said, I mean, if people was giving out money, everybody'd show up. But other than that, it's kind of hard to get everybody to be interested in some things, because as we spoke about, it's just not something that people are interested in. They might be interested in something else, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be interested in everything that you think of, just like you're not interested in every outreach opportunity that the church has. So don't don't ever get discouraged by it and don't uh, get mad at others because we all have our different talents and abilities and God uses those. Um, it's sad to say that, as it says here, we as Christians are not doing one twentieth the part that we might do in winning souls to Christ. That's sad. One twentieth part. That's like 20 out of 100 not even doing it. So there is a world to be warned. Every sincere Christian will be a guide and example to others in faithfulness, cross-bearing, prompt, vigorous action, unswerving fidelity to the cause of truth and sacrifices and labors to promote the cause of God. Now that's saying a lot. Think to yourself, do I see that in the members that I'm around? Am I that? Is that me? Does that sound like me? The faithfulness, the cross-bearing, the prompt, vigorous action, is that the type of character that I exhibit? Is that the type of character that the other members at my church home exhibit? Because it's saying uh, less than 20 out of 100 are doing what we need to be doing. And everyone, again, everybody has a responsibility to tell somebody about the love of Christ. Um, do you happen to know any of you? Do you know any present day people, present day prophets of the Lord? Anybody know of any present day prophets of the Lord? Not really. I do see people professing like on some of the gospel channels. Mm-hmm. Uh, claim to be, a, they all call themselves prophetess so-and-so and all that, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we had mentioned something earlier about titles. You know, every title doesn't mean anything. But it's the last prophet that I'm aware of was Ellen White, true prophet. I'm saying like that, true biblical prophet. But every one of us, we're not called as prophets, but we're still called to share the same word as the prophets are. We're still called to share the word of God. Just like the prophets were called to share the word of God, each one of us is still called to share 
the word of God. It's our work as Christian servants to reveal to men the gospel of salvation. And, and this is interesting. It says, every enterprise in which we engage should be a means to this end. Every enterprise in which we engage should be a means of sharing the gospel message. So if you own your own business or you work for somebody else, how can you make that occupation a way to share the gospel? In your, in your profession, how can you share the gospel of Christ with others? Would anyone like to share with us how they do that? Be a living testimony. I mean, there's certain things we do, don't do, and people always ask, people are always watching you. Um, why don't you drink when we go out? Or why don't you, you, you stop work at um, a certain time on Friday? Uh, why, why, why don't you come in on a Saturday? Certain things like that. And then live it because they will ask you about it. And once they see something different, um, they will, I've had people to come up because they know I go to church or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, and I guess just observing, I'm not always a good example. And, and I ask God's forgiveness mm-hmm. for that, but I've had people on the job come to me and ask me to pray for them mm-hmm. simply because they know I have a relationship with the Lord. That's and terrific. that's the highest compliment that anyone can ever give. Yeah, that's terrific. Yeah. It makes you feel like, hey, maybe I am doing something right. And the point is, uh, Paula doesn't say we have to be a perfect witness. Just be a witness. Just do the best we can. None of us is perfect. That's why Christ is our Savior. But So we're not going to be perfect all the time, but people see a difference as you pointed out, and they'll, they'll start asking you questions. Hey, how do you do this? Why do y'all do that? What makes you act this way and not the other way like everybody else? And that's just an opportunity for us to witness. Uh, so in, in our occupations, how else, uh, Alvina or Karen, how do, you, how do you witness to your fellow coworkers? I'm at my job, I work in a nursing home, I work in dietary. I give people their drinks, I give them their food or whatever. And, you know, it's easy. People dealing with health problems and stuff. And they just, I, I'm hearing certain things about the nurses or their CNA workers. And I said, you having difficulty, you know, you can pray pray about it. And some of them would be like, can you come and pray for me about this and this? And I do it. You know, I just stop when I'm doing, serving that drink. You know, it's busy. I can, I can do that. I mean, no one's really paying attention to what I'm doing. Other people, I don't care. But I just do it. <laughs> yep. Amen. That's a blessing. That's excellent. Okay. So um, one of the things, like when people get comfortable with me, um, I've invited several of them to church. Some of them have come. Andre and I have studies to them. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them got baptized. So, mm. you know, you just establish a relationship with them where they trust you, you know. And then you just follow the Holy Spirit's leading and just say, you know what? Invite them to church. Amen. Amen. Well, some of the uh, more prominent people. Okay, sweetheart, I don't know where it said either. Uh, some of the more prominent people um, in the Bible, like Daniel, I don't remember him making no special effort to witness, you know, or like. Um, but his life was a witness. 
That's mm-hmm. the whole point. That's what I'm saying. Your life is mm-hmm. it. That's it. If you choose to, it's almost like when I hear people talk about evangelism, it's separate from what we do every day. It is not. It is what we do every day. It's the way we live. It Our is what we should be doing. It's the evangelistic effort. That is it. And so, therefore, with all of the, you know, like, I don't know, the implied condemnation because you're not doing this or you didn't go here or you didn't you wasn't participating in this type of outreach or whatever that's you know I think that's just so far off I think people need to do what God is calling them to do and um and move forward with that I mean Daniel just prayed three times a day that was enough to make people so you know uh his success as a result of that prayer and his life you know as a result of that prayer was the thing that stood out. Mm-hmm. Look at yeah, you know what, you guys? And, and as a result of his consistent prayer life, daily living, because that's what he did, then the king turned around and the whole nation, what an evangelistic outreach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole nation was ordered to serve God. Amen. Mm-hmm. What'd you say, Andre? I think about the eight years I had at Jewish hospital, walking the halls, fixing computers and and just working and didn't realize people were watching me. And somebody asked me one day, a lady asked me, she said, "Uh, you go to church, don't you? And I just smiled and I said, what what would make you think I go to church? She said, just the way you talk, the way you carry yourself. Now, what church do you go to? So I told her that was Seventh-day Adventist. And she said, I knew it. I knew it. I was telling somebody the other day, that young man goes to church. He's going to somebody's church. So that just let me know that even though I might not, I know my own issues and I know the things that I struggle with. It doesn't show on my face, evidently. And, and, and they saw something in me that pointed them to Christ. So all I can do is thank the Lord for that. Amen. And you remember, uh, I think it was when Peter was trying to deny Christ. And the people said, oh, yeah, you one of them. We can tell by the way you talk. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, your actions, your words, your deeds, your speech, everything, your mannerism, your thought process, it all points to Christ. You know, and when we walk with Christ, that's the whole point is that we become more like him. And what people are seeing is not us, but they're seeing Christ in us. Mm -hmm. And that's the the real blessing. Can I share something with y'all? Mm-hmm. At my job, uh, it's not like I don't get along with my coworkers, but they're in a. We're not. I'm friendly. They're not friendly. Mm-hmm. But it's like it just it seems some kind of thing they have against me. I'm not. You know, I don't know what's going on, but God placed it so where I can get feedback with the residents. You know what I'm saying? I can get love from them, and I can give them love. Although I'm respectful for my coworkers. But it's just something that I get from the resident where you figure out we have this good working relationship. But it's just I'm doing my job and they're doing their job. Mm-hmm. You know, although we have friendly moments, it doesn't carry over. I'm like, what am I doing? You know what I'm saying? But what so are you doing is being an example of Christ. Some people just can't handle that. You know, it's light and darkness can't dwell together. And I thought about that too. I'm like, hmm, but I'm not doing nothing against them. I try to be friendly. Uh, you know, I'm just, you know, putting myself out there. 
I'm like, wow, this is weird. And then remember, too, Jesus didn't do anything against people, but a lot of people hated him because he pointed out how they were doing evil. And nobody likes to be told that they're wrong. So even if it's even if you don't uh, literally say it, they can tell it because their conscience condemns them when they see you doing the right thing and they would have done the wrong. Amen. And their conscience makes them aware of that. What'd you say? Yeah, I thought about that, but I'm thinking like, am I just putting myself in this way, trying to make myself feel better? Is this what it is? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Has anybody heard of ASI, Adventist Services Industries? Yes. Yeah, Adventist Service Industries, that's their whole purpose is to find ways to um, use their career or their occupations as a, as a means of sharing the gospel. So they have different resources and different uh, web, web, webinars and, you know, literature and stuff and people you can talk to and they'll have conventions and functions. And their whole thing is, how can I share Christ? through my workplace. And it's a pretty big uh, organization now, I believe. They have, you know, chapters all around and they do big conventions and stuff. But that's their whole point is find a way to share Christ through your various jobs. And it works in any job, bus driver, school teacher, doctor, lawyer, uh, Indian chief, whatever you want to say. Any occupation, you can share the love of Christ, especially like Lakita's saying, just through your actions, just through your lifestyle, people see Christ in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can remember one time, Lee, I was at Walmart. I was just in the checkout line, you know, and when I got up to the register to pay my stuff, she said, she said, I see Jesus in you. You, you, you go to church, don't you? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. You know, but I guess they get so many crazy folks coming through the checkout line at Walmart. I don't know. Well, it's nice she noticed the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be kind of bad if, if people don't notice a difference in us. Then yeah. we have something to worry about. Yeah, I remember also my um my children's uncle, one of my children's uncles, he told me one time, he said, you know, he said, out of all of the my nieces and nephews, I can tell something's different about your your three you know because I can tell they go to church and I can tell you know you keep them you know in in, in a certain uh mode you know mm-hmm. I was listening to a talk show years ago and the guy on the talk the talk show host he said he didn't see a big difference between Christians and non-Christians and he wanted somebody to call in and tell him what the difference was and I happened to be driving. I was about to pull off and tell him. But it's really sad that he couldn't see a difference between Christians and non-Christians. Well, so when you're truly following Christ, there is a difference. People will see it. Be peculiar. And, and, and you know, mm-hmm. but you know what? I, I think that's true because it's so funny. To me, years ago, you could almost spot an Adventist. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's not so apparent anymore. It's just not. Yeah, things are a little different. We used to be called people of the book and folk would see us going to church with a Bible under our arms now. Or then, and then especially, you know, they'd see us out knocking on doors 
in October and throughout the year. But things are just really different. And like we were talking about earlier, trends may change, but principles don't. So we just have to find new ways of doing God's will, find new ways of evangelizing, find new ways of sharing God's love with people. Uh, we might not, you know, a lot of people don't even have a physical Bible anymore. We have our phones with the Bible, mm -hmm. so you might not see that. Mm -hmm. But still, when someone asks a question about the Bible, we should be able to share a little bit of light. We don't know all the answers, but we should be able to share some thoughts about the love of Christ. Right. Oh, you had a comment? Yeah, and you hit it right on the head. That brought something to memory for me. Well, first of all, what Karen said, then what you said. What, uh, for what Karen said, back way in the day, anybody had ever even spent three months at Oakwood College, when the few times we got to go to the mall, and this was after the dress codes had relaxed or whatever, mm -hmm. people always knew who we were, you know, like a group of us would be in the mall and we're teenagers, 17 and 18, and we're wearing jeans and t-shirts just like any other teenager. You got A&M, you know, all the people at the mall, but people mm -hmm. always knew that we went to Oakwood College without mm -hmm. media saying the word, they would always, you know, you go to that uh, Christian college, don't you? you know, and, and it was funny, particularly if you were ordering food from the, you know, from, from the mall, what do they call it? Cafeteria, the eating area or whatever, the way you Ooh, ordered court. your food and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and because it Oakwood has such a, has such a prevalent um, presence in Huntsville, they could spot us. I dare say that that's the same in 2022. You know, you got jewelry and tattoos, everybody, you know, they look like everybody else you can't tell anymore. And I can't say that, that all of them, for, for the most part, when I have gone back, it didn't even look like the same place. The students look like everybody else. Um, and yeah. also, it was something you were saying, we don't carry Bibles anymore because it's so convenient. We, I have a Bible app on my phone, one of the few mm -hmm. apps that I have. And on Saturday, when I get, if I have on my usher uniform, Oh, you, you going to church. We know it's the Sabbath. You were usher. Oh, we know it's the Sabbath too. My neighbor told me that just out the blue. And mm -hmm. then, um, you know, my, they're out there doing the rest of the neighborhood. They're out there in their gardens or cutting the grass, you know, it's Saturday. Mm -hmm. But when they used to see me before we got the apps on our phone, they would see me come out with a Bible in my hand. And that was a testimony to them. Mm -hmm. And then when I started getting my phone, using my phone, I was like, am I losing that? Because they don't see me carrying my Bible anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. But thank God that it's what's in your heart that shines out. And that's, you know, what we're talking about. So, yeah, you know, that we can have, forgive me, because this may sound kind of mean, we can have the props, but we don't need them. You know, we don't need them because they see now, look, just your Christian walk with Christ and you're serving him. You're actually, you know, using your uniform, wearing your uniform as an usher. And people see that, you know, they notice it and stuff. And if it wasn't the uniform, then God would point something out on you else out about you. Which I think a lot of things it was our appearance, you know, with the Bible with uh, not wearing so much jewelry and makeup, with the dresses, 
you know, a certain length with this, you know, fellas wearing nice suits, et cetera. And I think that's why the guy was saying he didn't see a difference in Christians and non-Christians. I'm pretty sure he was, had to be thinking about their appearance because uh, the difference, you can, you can also see a difference in our speech, the way that we speak to people, the way that we talk, the things we talk about, and um, our decisions that we make, that's something too. There's still a lot of differences. It, appearance is one part, but like Lakita's saying, what mainly counts is what's in our heart and our minds. That's and, and the real I, test. Can I Go ahead. add to Brother Carol? Mm-hmm. Is that, well, when we were at Oakwood, everybody was a vegetarian, whether you wanted to be or not. But we also <laughs> had a, 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 somebody told us we had a glow about us or a cleanness. We looked clean or mm. something it was because we were living you know the health message so because you know not an 18 year old can look 30 living out here in the world oh yeah but we yeah. just looked it was something i mean we were actually told that as you know given that you look wholesome you look wholesome. Yeah, wholesome thank you that's the word wholesome mm-hmm. thank you <laughs> Just like the three and, and, and Hebrew the, boys, and right? The thing, they didn't sound like you've been eating pork and shrimp and lobster. <laughs> I ain't never heard that one, though. <laughs> but just like the three Hebrew boys, they said, hey, they had better countenances than everybody. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, of what yeah, they amen. were eating. Doing. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of difference, you know. Again, our main difference should be our minds and our hearts are geared toward doing God's will and following his ways. So that's what really counts. And, and two, you don't want to get to the point where you're trying to judge a book by its cover. You right. Know, because right. Out, outward appearance, that's what man looks at, but God looks at our hearts. Mm-hmm. On the um, last paragraph, it says, again, talking about the varied uh, abilities that God gives us. When the master of the house, this is on the last paragraph, 13.2. When the master of the house called his servants, he gave to every man his work. The whole family of God are included in the responsibility of using their Lord's goods. That's your time, talent, temple, and treasure. Every individual. How many individuals? Every. Every individual. From the lowest and most obscure to the greatest and most exalted is a moral agent endowed with abilities for which he is accountable to God. So, you know, when we're up doing a stewardship nugget, talking about use of time, talent, temple, and treasure, that's what God's expecting of us. Everybody, God has given us those abilities and we're accountable to him. You know, he's, a, he's looking at us and saying, how are you using your time? How are you using your talent, your temple, and your treasure? Are you using any of it to praise my name or to worship me or to give thanks or to point others to me? Or are you just using it all selfishly? So we can tell our the call to our to us as individuals from God is to be faithful stewards, using those abilities and skills and talents for His glory and honor. You can use we can use those talents to have our you know to make a living, of course. But also remember, give some of our time, talent, temple, and treasure to the Lord's work so that others may be saved. That's all part of our soul winning is to share our stewardship abilities with others so that they too can learn about Christ. How many people do you think would listen to you if you pointed out how blessed you are financially because of your faithfulness in tithe and offering? How many people would listen to you if you pointed out how 
your health is a result of taking care of your temple. How many people would listen to you if you point out to them how your lack of stress and anxiety is because of a wise use of your time? And how many people do you think would listen to you when they notice all your talents and how well you are at doing so many things if you gave that glory to God? That's all he's asking us to do. Just say, thank you, Jesus, for all that you've given me. Allow me to use it to glorify your name. And as the scripture says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. If we can just do that, we'll definitely be considered God's ambassadors and faithful servants of God and friends to man. Any final thoughts on our call, at, call as individuals to witness? Okay, Karen, uh, where are we at next week? Uh, next week, we're in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, Chapter 94, The Deceitfulness of Riches. The Deceitfulness of Riches. That's going to be good. Okay, um, that sounds like a winner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Lakita, would you close us out with prayer, please? Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, we are so grateful that we have been called uh, into your marvelous light. And with that comes our responsibility and our desire to openly uh, share our lives with others and to share the truth about whom you are with others through our actions, through our daily interactions with people. Lord, we ask that people will see you first before they even see us. And so as we go about our week this week, no matter what small thing we do, help us remember that we're doing everything to the glory of God and that whatever small, whatever words we may say, that those words are going to lodge into someone's minds and possibly their heart. And their lives may be changed for good or bad as a result of the words that we speak. So I ask that you would help us to be careful and use our words carefully and judiciously. Use our lives carefully and judiciously, knowing that we are here as witnesses for you and our lives is the evangelistic effort that you desire for us to involve ourselves in and to engage in. In Jesus' name we pray and praise you always. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thanks again for everyone joining and participating. Amen. See you next week. All right. All right.